This is the Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to St. John. I am the good shepherd, and the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me, just as the Father knows me. And I know the Father. I lay down my life for the sheep. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. For this reason the Father loves me, because I lay down my life, that I might take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, And I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my Father. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Jesus Christ, we love you and we adore you and we come into this, your sanctuary this morning to hear from you. So open our hearts, Lord, that that might happen. And it's in your name and for your glory we pray. Amen. Please be seated. So Psalm 23 is perhaps one of the most well-known and famous psalms uh, in the entire scriptures. Uh, many of us know, that, know it and love it. Many of you maybe even have parts of it memorized, uh, or at least portions of it. And it paints for us a beautiful portrait of the Lord as our shepherd, bringing peace to those who trust him. God is described as protecting us from enemies, He anoints our wounds with oil of healing, and he provides rest for us in green pastures and still waters, and he feeds us at his table. He restores my soul, says David, the writer of this psalm. So this is a psalm that's even well-known outside of religious circles. Um, In fact, I remember as a teenager watching uh, an amazing, heart-touching movie called Anaconda, In this part of the sermon that unfortunately went unrecorded for about 20 seconds, after Rick mentions that he used to watch the movie, or maybe still watches the movie, Anaconda, and may or may not recommend that you do the same thing, he, he references that uh, Ice Cube, actor, rapper Ice Cube, in the movie uh, recites Psalm 23 as a way to feel comforted uh, when anacondas are pursuing him. but begins to recite the words of Psalm 23. And I thought, ah, that is strange. And as a teenager, I wasn't really familiar with scripture. I, I, I didn't know exactly where that came from, but I always remembered him being stilled uh, by the words of that, of that psalm. 
And so perhaps you've been in stressful situations, hopefully not like that, um, but perhaps you've been surrounded by temptations and evil, and the words of Psalm 23 have come to your mind. But as beautiful and popular as it is, Psalm 23 doesn't paint a full picture of who the Lord actually is. In fact, it's an incomplete story of the Lord's work. It shows an image of the shepherd as our protector, but not necessarily as our redeemer. The Lord leads us through the valley of death in this psalm, but doesn't quite defeat death itself. It speaks of the individual's healing, but not necessarily the healing offered to the entire nations. So while this is a beautiful psalm, it leads us wanting to know the fullness of the story and the fullness of who the shepherd is. So one of my favorite things to do, especially on a crisp autumn day, which in here it kind of feels like a crisp autumn day, doesn't it? <laughs> I, don't, I, w- I wouldn't be offended if you wanted to get your jackets in here. But on a cool autumn day, uh, especially in October, I love to go apple picking with my family. The experience of walking through the apple orchard, uh, looking at the trees and finding a bright red apple and plucking it from that tree and just tasting it. And it is a good apple. And it tastes, a good apple tastes the way that an apple is supposed to taste. It's full of sweet flavor. It's incredibly crisp, right? Now, does this mean after you eat a good apple that you stop eating other apples? No, we still eat them. But they only seem like edible shadows in comparison to that good apple that you yourself plucked uh, in the orchard. Have you ever been to a symphony before where you step into the room and you're sort of overcome by the grandness of it all and you hear the warmth of the bass and the cellos that vibrates your very core? Or maybe you, you've had your heart just gripped by a violin before and it brings tears to your eyes. Or maybe you've seen the conductor just standing up there, absolutely electrified, excited to be up there, and he's just a master at, at organizing all of these elite musicians. If you've ever been in that moment, you've thought, this is good music. Now, does that mean that you stop listening to other music? No, I still listen to some music that many of you might hate on my tiny little headphones every now and then. But I always want to go back to that concert hall. Have you ever had a good teacher before? A teacher who woos you into loving a subject almost as much as they love it themselves. I remember having a geology professor and remember sitting in that class thinking, oh my goodness, I had no idea. I love rocks so much. These are amazing. And a good teacher loves the students just as much as they love the subject matter. They know who to call on. They know who to ask to maybe hold their tongue a little bit. They allow the the subject matter and the students to kind of come together in this beautiful dance. Now, sure, other teachers are still qualified to teach, but a good teacher transcends your expectations. They're a wise sage and a trusted mentor. You see, friends, when you experience the goodness of life, you yourself, your very soul is nourished. It's moved. You're enriched. True goodness transforms you. So what does it mean in our gospel passage when Jesus says that he is the good shepherd? Now surely he means he's not just a a literal shepherd. He's not tending to sheep. But no, this is a metaphor for being a spiritual leader. 
So what does it mean for Jesus to be the good shepherd? Now, certainly on a surface level, on, uh, he, he certainly performs the functions of a spiritual leader. He provides for his sheep. He knows his sheep by name, and they know him. I'm reminded of the woman at the well, where Jesus offers to her living waters, or still water. Or maybe that episode where the wolves bring this woman caught in adultery to Jesus, and he stands in between them. He scatters those wolves, and he protects the sheep. Or even when Jesus shared a last meal with his disciples, even though there was danger just around the corner. You see, Jesus most certainly fulfills Psalm 23. He is a shepherd. But he also redefines what a shepherd does. He is a good shepherd. And contrasted to Jesus, all other shepherds leave us wanting for more. It's almost as if they seem like imposters. Jesus shows us the goodness of what it means to be a shepherd. So what exactly does that entail? What is that goodness? Well, Jesus tells us in the gospel, I am the good shepherd, and the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Now, I I think you might know a little bit about shepherding to know that that's not normal. Uh, Shepherds do not lay down their lives for animals, for sheep like that. But Jesus does. When Satan or corrupt powers or even the empire stands before him, when sin is, is croaching down upon every human heart, Jesus lays down his life. The enemy is great, and we ourselves are not able to overtake the enemy. But in our place, Jesus lays down his life. He pays the price that we are unable to pay. And I don't know if, if this stuck out to you, um, But this is a willful act. The father isn't forcing Jesus to do this. This isn't like some sort of divine child abuse of sorts. No, Jesus is the good shepherd. And with boldness, he goes to the cross and lays down his life. He is the choice apple. He is the vibrant symphony. He is the passionate teacher. And once you experience the true goodness of Jesus Christ, nothing else compares His forgiveness is full. His peace is unshakable and his truth is completely life-giving. Jesus is good. But what's fun is that the story doesn't end here, does it? In fact, the story is just getting started. I don't know if, I don't think I've said this, but I'd like to actually move through all four of the scripture readings that we had this morning. I don't do that every Sunday. Um, But they just blend with each other so beautifully well, don't they? You see, the we see Jesus, the resurrected Jesus, breathing life into his apostles, breathing his spirit into them. If you were here a couple weeks ago, we talked about the verse where Jesus says, just as the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. And the apostles are then grafted into the family business. They themselves are now becoming good shepherds. And we see this modeled so beautifully throughout the book of Acts. In Acts, we see the newly commissioned apostles going out through Jerusalem, teaching about the risen Christ. And at one point, they encounter this man who is born lame, begging within one of the gates. And Peter and John walk by, and they look at him with pity in their eyes. And they say that famous passage that many of us have heard before. It's just absolutely beautiful. Silver and gold we have not, but what we do have, we give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, 
rise up and walk. And the text tells us that the lame man literally jumps to his feet. He leaps up and he clings to Peter and John. He doesn't want to let them go. And because of that, thousands of people believed in the name of Jesus when they saw these things. The apostles are giving these echoes back to Jesus's shepherd-like ministry. We're reminded of the blind man who Jesus restored sight to, or the woman at the well, or Mary Magdalene, or the garrisoned demoniac, people who Jesus has shepherded and gone after. And now the apostles are doing what Jesus did. Even though it's dangerous, they continue to teach that Jesus Christ rose from the dead. And the apostles themselves are willing to lay down their lives. And so that takes us now to Acts chapter 4. And this is where the religious leaders bring Peter and John before them. And these names should sound familiar to you, Annas and Caiaphas. These were men who also tried Jesus. And do you hear what they ask the apostles? By what name do you do this? Well, then Peter is filled with the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Christ himself. And Peter says to them that by the name of Jesus Christ, the one whom you crucified, by his name, this man is standing before you well today. There's no other name on earth by which men must be saved. In other words, he's saying, the one who you killed is alive again, and his spirit is within us now. You see, Peter and John are abiding in the good shepherd. They are ready to stand in front of the empires and the rulers and to lay down their lives as well for the sake of the sheep. In fact, the apostle John, many, many years later, towards the end of his life, would write these words, which we read this morning. By this we know love, that he laid down his life for us. And we also ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. You see, Peter and John and the apostles are doing what Jesus did. And the religious leaders, out of um, just frustration, they mock these people as uneducated men. They make threats against the apostles. In fact, it wasn't, if it wasn't for fear out of the thousands who were there, they probably would have put the apostles to death right then and there. So, there are many things that are quite offensive about Christianity. In fact, America is kind of in this weird moment right now. Um, it's, it's a weird moment in human history in which people are actually not being killed for these sorts of things. When in many parts of the world, in much of church history, we have been. But we affirm things like the incarnation. We believe weird things like God actually becoming a human being not possessing a human or not becoming some sort of ghostly apparition, but actually becoming a human being. We also believe in the atonement. We believe that Jesus Christ actually died. God himself died. Not just any death, but death on a cross. And we believe in the resurrection. We believe that the God-man rose again. All of these things are, have, people have died for over the years. But then lastly, we believe something I think that is as equally offensive. We believe in participation. We believe that as the baptized people of God, we get to share in the divinity and the mission of Jesus Christ. As the baptized people of God, we get to share in the ministry of Jesus Christ. In fact, in our reading from 1 John, that's what John is getting at that we, brothers and sisters, are supposed to be lying down, laying down our lives for each other. Do not love in just word and talk, 
but in deed and truth, the apostle tells us. And by this, we know that he abides in us. We, the church, are supposed to be like that shepherd in Psalm 23. As we see our Heavenly Father do, so we ourselves are supposed to do as well. We, the church, are supposed to go out and find the broken, the abused, the sick, and to restore their souls. That is why we are the body of Christ. So I want to ask you, friends, what would it look like to be a good shepherd yourselves? To lay down your life for those around you. Your reputation, your aspirations, your accomplishments, your very being. What would it be like to lay down your life? So this week, um, Andrew Brunson has been put on trial uh, in the nation of Turkey. Uh, Andrew is a Wheaton grad. He's been a pastor in Turkey for over 25 years. Uh, we once had the privilege of hearing him preach. And he, well, he was a missionary. Did I say he was in prison for 25 years? That's not true. He's, he's been a missionary for 25 years. He's been in prison for nearly two years now under false charges of being a spy in Turkey. He hasn't been able to see his wife or his young children for almost two years. And my kids, I can't imagine even missing out on two years of their lives. They, they're growing so fast. I feel like every week they grow another inch. And to miss out on two years would just be absolutely devastating. Even our president is calling for Andrew's release. Well, after the trial this last week, there were more false charges brought out against him. He's supposed to remain in prison. Thankfully, he has a Bible with him. He has another trial on May 7th, which we can be praying for. But Andrew is in jail for proclaiming the resurrection of Jesus to lost sheep. The government has not liked what he is doing there. Andrew Brunson is living as a good shepherd, one who is laying down his life for the sheep. So what does that look like for you and me living here in America? Again, we're in an unusual time where we're not being prosecuted. Our government isn't against us yet. But what does that mean in the meantime? You know, maybe it means at work speaking up for a colleague who's usually looked over, or maybe he's mocked at the, at the um, you know, in the break room or something like that. So maybe you're called to stand up for him. Maybe you're called to stay late with a colleague and, and help them, like a new hire after work, and get them acclimated to the new culture. Or maybe when people in power where you work ask you to do something unethical, it simply means speaking out against it, putting your own reputation on the line. Or maybe it means when you see a neighbor who's being beaten down by the darkness of this world, you introduce them to Jesus Christ. We have a lot of young people in the room, a lot of, a lot of students. So what would it look like to be a good shepherd in your classroom? My guess is that in your class you have a student or two who might be a little difficult to work with. Maybe you don't want to be their partner at times. Maybe they don't wear the right clothes or they get the best grades. Maybe they're awful at sports, like me. Or maybe they just say weird things at times. I don't know. But maybe being a good shepherd among your classmates means picking that person to be your partner in class or sitting next to them in the lunchroom. Even though you might be teased by others, God's Spirit will be with you. So brothers and sisters, as those who have been rescued and healed by the Good Shepherd, 
Let us go out into the world to love others well, not merely in word and talk, but in deed and in truth. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen.